So how was Thanksgiving? Good. Who ate too much turkey? Who ate ham? Who gained four pounds? Uh, Give me two. Really. Um, actually, so my family, every Thanksgiving has this little tradition my sister has started for us where um, we gather together for Thanksgiving and she brings this plastic pumpkin and it usually sits in the dining room table for the days that we're together and we're celebrating Thanksgiving. And each year we take a permanent marker and we write on the plastic pumpkin something that we're thankful for. And so we have years now of different things that we're thankful for. Of course, it's like my kids and my family and stuff. And it's Owen writing when he was very, very young, just like scribbly lines all over the pumpkin and stuff. And so we add to it each and every year. And I I felt convicted even before I came up here this, this morning to come and preach that we're so quick sometimes to move from Thanksgiving to now this whole other season. Like how many, you're, be honest, the past two days you put away all the fall decor already and you got the Christmas stuff out. Who got a tree and put it up? Weirdos. But we are. We're so quick to move from one season to a whole new season. I don't just mean like Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving. I mean like seasons of our life even. We come from this thing into this whole new thing and we're so quick to just move on and not look back and reflect on how thankful we are for God's faithfulness within our life. And so I felt convicted this morning just before I really get into anything just to say that I am, I am so thankful for this church. I really am. I'm so thankful for this church. In the past 15 years I've had to be able to serve here, I'm so grateful for it. And even as I look out over this congregation and see faces and folks who've been so faithful to serve here and be a part of what God is doing over the years, I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful that God is continuing to use Mount Horeb to make a huge difference in this community. It's, it's amazing. And I would be remiss without looking back and saying, thank you, God, for all that you've done before we look forward to the things that he's going to do. And so that being said, the season is changing very quickly, though. Being December now, we're on the downhill slope right to Christmas. And so for a lot of us, we did. We put away all the false stuff. We got out all the Christmas stuff. We're ready for this new season to celebrate all that Christmas entails for us. I remember a couple years ago, my wife was driving my oldest son, Eli, around, just the two of them in the car, um, enjoying all the Christmas scenery in a neighborhood not far from, from the church here. And they were driving around the neighborhood, looking at all the lights that were put up. And Jenna was like, oh, Eli, look at that. It's so beautiful. Look at that house. That's a nice house. And going from house to house, just enjoying all the lights and she came to this one house, and in the front yard, they had this big, white, cut-out nativity scene sitting right there in the front yard, and it was beautiful, all lit up and stuff, and so we, they were getting closer, and she decided, this will be my opportunity. I'm going to take this opportunity to, like, teach Eli what the true meaning of Christmas, you know, and, like, talk about Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in the manger, and she was going to point at it and explain it to him. Before she could even say anything, Eli interrupted and said, Mom, I know what that is. And she's like, really? He said, yeah, that's Abraham and Sarah bent over a pot, cooking it up. We're like, what? <laughs> She's like, no, that's a nativity scene. That's Mary and Joseph, and that's not a pot. That's Jesus in the manger. And, but it can be confusing. Even for Eli a couple years ago, this was a bit of a confusing scene. What is this exactly? And for us, maybe, this can be confusing still. Maybe even yesterday, you dusted off the nativity scene out of the closet, brought it out, put it on the mantle, boom, and you do it every single year. But every single year, even as you look at it, you're like, there's probably more to this that I don't fully understand. To be honest, it's, it's mysterious and it's, it's curious, this nativity scene that we celebrate every year, that we pull out every single year. And so for the next four weeks, we really want to look at this nativity scene. What does this have to do with what we celebrate during the time of Christmas as Christians all over the world? Come together to celebrate hope, love, joy, 
and peace. The four weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We want to take full advantage of that, asking God to open our hearts to what he wants to teach us, the ways he wants to mold us and shape us. So if you would, I want to take a moment just to pray and invite God into this space to teach us something new today. Would you pray with me? God, we give you this day. We give you this moment. And we ask, God, that you would open our hearts to new opportunities, to new things. Would you teach us something fresh? Would you help us be thankful, God, and expectant for all that you're going to do? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Now, the word nativity actually comes from a Latin word, which means the birth. The birth. And so the nativity scene, it's about a lot of different things. In fact, in any nativity scene, you have the exact same characters, don't you? You have this Jesus, God of the universe, born in the flesh here within our world, but surrounded by his mother and father, barnyard animals, shepherds, and angels. But what's interesting to me is in every nativity scene, all of the characters, all of the pieces, eyes are fixed on what? Jesus. Baby Jesus lying in the manger. Every nativity scene is reminding us that all of this, everything, is about the birth. It's about the birth of Christ. It's about the birth of the God of the universe pulling on flesh, becoming one of us in a stinky, dank stable right here in the middle of our mess. You know, as I think about Jesus being born, these, pregnancy is a funny season, is it not? And my wife and I, we just came out of this whole pregnancy season the past couple of months ago. Praise God. But now we got diaper season. It's a whole nother one. I'd like to rush through this one. But we have this new baby in the house now. And when we were pregnant, there's this kind of phenomenon now happening with every single young couple when they get pregnant. And it's like the gender reveal. How can we go bigger and badder than everybody else to reveal whether this is a boy or a girl? And so I read an article just the other day saying that some people are spending up to $10,000 on a gender reveal. $10,000. Just tell them. <laughs> Don't waste the money. But ten grand on a gender reveal. People have done all kinds of things. You know, traditionally, it was like you bake a cake, pink or blue, and you cut and slice open, and the secret is revealed. My, my brother-in-law and sister, they had a balloon full of this powder that they shot with an arrow, and so the powder came out, and I applauded to the, the reveal. Maybe you have a box with like helium-filled balloons, either pink ones or blue ones. You open the box and they come out, everybody claps and is excited. And so Jen and I decided this year for our third child, we're gonna kinda we're gonna make it a thing. Like we're gonna do a gender reveal, not 10 grand worth, but we're gonna make it cool. So we invited all the family and friends over to the house, and up until September 27th, 2019, there'd only be two boys in the house. It felt like 12, but there was two rambunctious boys. We'd never had a, a girl, and so uh, my whole family was convinced, like, certainly we're going to continue the streak, you know, like with the third one, another boy, and then my wife will die, and that'll be it. So we, we didn't think we'd make it. And so we were going to reveal this whole thing. It was going to be so excited. Everybody came to the house. It was April Fool's Day, so my wife and I decided we'd do something fun, to us anyway, uh, to reveal this, this gender. And so we came to the house. Jenna's sister's a really great baker, so she made cupcakes for everybody. And all the cupcakes were filled with blue icing because the expected reveal was, of course, another boy. But there was two cupcakes that Jen and I had that were filled with pink icing. And so sure enough, everybody gathered around. We were filming with the camera, and it was so exciting. And so we were going to count down from three, you know, three, two, one, bite into your cupcake. And everybody bit into the cupcake, and it was kind of like this sort of disappointed but excited, like, yay, another boy. Except for my son Eli was pumped on the camera. I'm like pumping his fist and stuff until... Jen and I bit into our cupcake. And we're like, April Fools, it's a girl. There's a picture of it right here, I think, actually. There it is. <laughs> now, everyone was excited except for 
Eli. He's like, on the camera, he's like, no. He's since come around. But as soon as we revealed that Murray Elizabeth Miller coming into the world was going to be a girl, we were like, we don't know what to do now. We've had boys our entire, our entire marriage. We have no idea what to do with a little girl. And all of a sudden, pink stuff started showing up at the house. I'm like, what is this? And there was so much preparation to be done. Anytime there's a baby on the way, there's a new birth coming, there's all kinds of preparation that has to be done. So you're going to paint stuff, build cribs, you know, clean the carpet, do all kinds of things to get ready for this brand new birth. There's a lot to do. Buy all the diapers. You know, you know the whole routine. But here's the truth. We prepare for new birth, don't we? When there's a new birth coming, something new coming, there's a lot of preparation that goes into this, a lot to be done. You see, the reason that the nativity, this birth, is so significant, the reason we celebrate it every single year, this nativity, is not because it happened as a historical fact one time a long time ago. We celebrate this, we remember this, because it's still something that happens within us today. Jesus was not just born someday in a stable a long, long time ago. We believe that by the Spirit and the presence of God, he can be born within us right here and right now, anew and afresh. And so what would it look like for us as a church during these four weeks leading up to Christmas, we said, listen, we're going to prepare for whatever new God was going to bring into our life. We're going to prepare for this new birth that we know God desires for us. We know he wants to do this. What kind of preparations could possibly be made for something new like this? So I want to challenge you, even this very first week, there's potentially a lot that we could do believing, full of expectation, of all the new birth that God wants to do within me and within you. Maybe this preparation looks like searching our hearts for whatever hurt or pain or disappointment from the past that we can bring to the surface so we can be healed. What if this preparation is like actively noting all the things that we're actually grateful for rather than being noisy for all the things that we wish we had? What if this preparation is turning off CNN and Fox News so we could more effectively love the people God has placed around us just because they're within our proximity? What if we would prepare by by offering forgiveness for the wrongs that have been done to us instead of holding on to them? And in the same term, repenting of all the ways that we may have hurt someone else. We prepare for new birth. We prepare for the new that God is going to come. We make space for all that God wants to do within us. What would happen if for the next few weeks, we opened ourselves up to God and said, God, I know it hasn't happened yet, but I know it's coming. Would you bring new birth within my life? You see, in the New Testament, there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books in the New Testament. All four of these books are expressions of the life and the way Jesus lived his life and ultimately sacrificed his life. At the beginning of each one of the four gospels is a different way of talking about Jesus' birth. Some of them have more detail, some of them less, but it's all expressing this nativity, this birth here in the earth of the God of the universe coming in flesh to us. Now, in the book of Luke, there's a bit of a backstory to what takes place before Jesus is actually born. We read it in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 33, as there's an angel named Gabriel who comes and speaks to Mary, this young teenage girl. Here's what the Bible says. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, a relative of Mary, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Joseph. 
a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, which is interesting because there's an angel talking. You think that'd be the troubling part, but it's the words that he says she's troubled by and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the son of the most high, the Lord God, and give the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So this angel Gabriel comes and speaks to Mary. And if you put yourself in Mary's shoes, this would have been a bit interesting, a bit unforeseen, that an angel would come and speak to you and say, hey, by the way, Mary, I know you're just a teenager, but something great is gonna happen. God is gonna bring a baby through you into the world who's gonna be the savior of the world, who'll be the king of kings. His kingdom will never end. Mary's like, what? Can you run that by me one more time? But the angel says, this is what's going to happen. And so for Mary, you have to understand, this was an incredible disruption. It's not as cute and tidy maybe in the nativity that you have on your mantle. This was a disruption to her life. She had plans on all that was going to happen, and this was not in the plans. This is what I would call a disruption dilemma. A disruption dilemma. So think about Mary for just a moment. Her plan was, I'm going to marry this nice Jewish boy. We're going to get a dog, maybe a white picket fence. Everything's going to be cool. But now all of a sudden, this angel says, you're chosen by God to give birth to the Savior of the world. Not a part of the plan. Complete disruption. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes. This is your fiance, and she's told you, actually, I'm, I'm pregnant. And you know it's not your kid. How are you going to explain this to your family, to the community? The Bible says Joseph really wrestled with what to do about this, either put Mary away silently or to continue on. I know, Mary, you said the angel told you this, but he never talked to me about this exactly. What's happening here? And beyond even that, just Mary and Joseph, think about the political structure and the power of the day. Herod, Rome was over everything. And so for a new king to come to town, it meant that another king had to go. Complete disruption. This disruption affected those two individually, but it also impacted the world as a whole. The way the world had worked up at that point in time was now disrupted by the birth of Jesus. I believe there are two choices that every person has when it comes to a disruption that comes within our life. Number one, to avoid it. Or number two, to embrace it. Number one, to avoid it, or number two, to embrace it. I think Mary had the same choice here. What do I do with this? Do I avoid this disruption to my life, or do, do I see this as something that God is doing and embrace it? Because here's what I know for sure. If God is gonna do something new within your life during this Christmas season, the next four weeks or beyond, if God's gonna do something new, it's going to always feel like disruption. It's never gonna be convenient. It's always gonna feel a little bit funny. You see, disruption is something new. It's something confusing, something hard, something exciting, something inexplicable, something uncontrollable. But when it happens, what will you do? Avoid it or embrace it? I was a freshman in college. I grew up in Indiana, and so after high school, I went to a school called Taylor University. It's a small Christian school in Upland, Indiana. 
And um, I was there playing football. I was an environmental bio major, believe it or not. So I was environmental bio. And my whole dream was to graduate one day, four years from then. And all I wanted to do was stock lakes and ponds with fish. That's all I wanted to do. So I was playing football, going to school, and I had this relationship that I was really interested in. Everything was going great. It was an hour and a half from home. My parents were coming over on the weekend. It was a perfect gig. And I knew exactly what was going to happen for the next four years. going to be All-American, not. But then I was going to pass all my classes and move on to working for the DNR or something. That was my goal. But halfway through that freshman year, I got a phone call from a camp counselor of mine from when I was in high school. And he said, hey, listen, can we grab ice cream sometime soon? I was like, I have one rule in my life. You always say yes to ice cream. So I said, yes, let's do ice cream. So we went and sat down and we caught up for a little bit. And he began to tell me about how he was a pastor now of a very small church in rural Indiana, about 100 people. They were meeting in a cafeteria in this little school and they had six kids in their youth group. And he said, I wanted to know if you'd be willing to come and be our youth pastor. I was like, no, (laughs) I've got all these things I'm doing. I'm very busy. I've got all this stuff that's going on. I've got a plan and youth ministry to six kids is not a part of it. But the more we talked, the more I had this sense, this deep sense that there was something that God was doing here that maybe wasn't on my radar screen, but it was something that he was trying to do within my life. So by the end of our conversation, I said, let me think about it. He said, I can't pay you, but I'll pay for the gas for you to get there. It was 30 minutes away, one way to go to this church to serve each week. So I really thought about it for a while, and I decided it's something I think I need to do. So sure enough, I got my little Ford Ranger, and I drove 30 minutes to this church. I went to church there. The best people ever. Southern Wells Community Church, rural Indiana, middle of nowhere. There were six kids in the youth group, two of which were brothers. So if they were sick, we had four. (laughs) So I'd show up each week. I'd get a gas card for my truck to fill it up to come back the next week. And I'm going to be honest with you, six or eight months after doing this, God transformed my life. I began to realize that all the things that I really wanted to do with my life paled in comparison to, to reaching out and loving on students. You see, there's this disruption that came into my life that I was not planned for. I didn't see this being a part of the plan at all. I had a choice on what I was going to do here. Do I avoid this or do I embrace this and see this as something that God is doing within my life? You see, when disruption comes, it's always going to look the same. It's not going to be a part of what you expect. It's going to be something a little bit different. Maybe even this morning as you walked into church today, you've been wrestling with this disruption that's happening within your life. And maybe you have no idea what to do with it. Maybe it's like this new job opportunity. It feels good, but you don't know what to do about it. Maybe it's some kind of loss that you've experienced and it's painful and it's deep. Maybe it's some kind of sin that's finally found you out. Maybe it's a relationship. It's come to a dead end. You're not sure to where to go from here. But maybe you need to see this is actually maybe a disruption that God is trying to awaken you to something new, something fresh, something different. A couple questions I like to ask when there's some kind of disruption. Number one, is this self-induced? Have I manufactured this? Or does this seem to come from somewhere outside of myself? Perhaps something that God has introduced. Does this disruption, does it end with me having some kind of self-gain or some kind of self-growth? Whether it's painful or whether it's amazing, if I follow this through, why be a different person more like Jesus? And third, will the result of this make me a healthier version of myself? this disruption. But we have a choice to make, this disruption dilemma. Do we avoid it or do we embrace it? You see, for some of us this morning, there's been this disruption that's been going on for a long time, maybe years, and we've always avoided it. 
It's this thing in the family. We don't want to talk about it because it's just, it's just difficult and it's ugly. So we'll just avoid it once again. And maybe God's saying, no, 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 I want you to deal with this because there's a healthier, there's a healthier version on the other side if you're willing to go through this. Maybe it's this painful thing that happened years ago, this loss, and you can't seem to get past it. And God's saying, listen, if you're willing to go through this, if you're willing to suffer through this, you'll be a healthier version of yourself on the other side. Not only that, but you'll be able to pour into other people's lives who are experiencing the exact same kind of thing. Do you avoid it or do you embrace it? This angel comes to Mary and says, I know this isn't what you're expecting, but there's something new happening here. God is going to birth something in you that's going to make a difference in the entire world. Stop avoiding it, but instead embrace this as a work of God within your life. And it's not just for Mary. It's not just for Joseph. What we see on the other end is this is actually something that was for the entire world. God was going to do something in them so that he could do something through them. It's not just for them. I love the way Mary responds to this message from the angel. In verse 34 through 37, she says this. How would this be? Mary asked, since I'm a virgin. Touche, Mary. Great question. How am I going to have a baby exactly? This doesn't make any sense. The angel answered her. Don't miss this. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You see, Mary, she believes this is, a, this is a man thing. This is a human natural thing. This doesn't make any sense in the natural. How could this happen, God? But the angel's response is so good. You don't understand, Mary. This is not about the natural. This is about the supernatural. The Holy Spirit's gonna do this. The Most High is gonna overshadow you. He's gonna do this. Even though you can't explain it, God is going to do a work that will blow your mind. What is impossible with man is possible with God. So he says, the Holy One will be born, called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, even now at her old age, she's going to give birth to a child as well. For no word from God will ever fail. So Mary's got real questions here. Please explain this to me. If this is what God is going to do, this doesn't make any sense to me. In the natural, this is impossible which is true, but she has some new birth excuses, doesn't she? He's a real good one why this can't happen. It's a new birth excuse. And what I've found in my life is that every single person has new birth excuses as well. Maybe even this morning, as I'm talking about this, if we're honest, I really want God to do something new within my life. I really want him to birth something new. But if I'm honest, I don't believe it's possible. I've had conversations with folks who are like, listen, I, I know this marriage cannot be saved because it's just too far gone. I can't imagine it being anything different than what it is. There are folks who I know, I'm like, listen, I, I, I can't get past this addiction. I'll never get sober and stay clean because the temptation is just too strong. Or my, my, my kid, my son, my daughter, our relationship's been so strained for so long. I can't imagine it being something that's like put back in place and right again. I've been in debt for so long in my life. I can't imagine not having debt. This is just how I live all the new birth excuses. And you know what? In the natural, you're exactly right. In the natural, there's nothing that we can do to really overcome a lot of these situations and circumstances. But in the supernatural, anything is possible. This is the good news about new birth. Mary, I know you don't understand this. I know this seems too impossible to actually take place, but this is not something that man does. It's something that God does. If you will not avoid this disruption, but instead embrace it, watch what God can do. So even this series, the next four weeks, 
What would happen if you didn't look around at your circumstances and just feel like nothing can change this? It is what it is. What if instead you saw what Mary saw? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. God will do the work in bringing something new and something fresh within your life. So don't miss this. This nativity, this birth, it is something that happened historically 2,000 years ago. But it's not significant just because it happened in the past. It's significant because it still happens today. By the Spirit of God working within us, we can experience new birth even today, right now. And it has nothing to do with your status, nothing to do with your ability, your effort, your qualifications, your gender, your track record, none of it. Because it has nothing to do with the natural. It has everything to do with the supernatural. Whatever disruption God has brought into your life, potentially this is a way that he's wanting you to embrace this, to experience something new on the other side. And I love the way Mary responds. I mean, she says her piece. This doesn't make any sense. I don't understand this. The angel's like, listen, let me explain this to you. This is a God thing. I love the way she responds. My prayer would be we would respond the same kind of way. She says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. Some translations say it this way. May it happen to me as you have said. I know I don't understand it. I know it doesn't make sense to me. But may it happen to me as you have said. Let me have faith that you can do something that I can't imagine or fathom. In the supernatural, not the natural. Mary says, may it happen to me as you have said. What if we were people this Christmas season who had this posture towards God? Do you know the Trevor version of this is? Whatever you want, God. Whatever you want to do, God. I'm open to it. And some of us, we spend so much energy and effort of our life fighting against God. And there's all these things that happen to us and we're like so frustrated. God, why would you do this? And the whole time, if we were to respond and said, I think, God, may it happen to me as you have said, whatever you want to do, we might experience new things with our life that we can't even think about right now. I got two emails this past week um, from two different dads of families in our church. And They both really were saying the same thing. Essentially, it was something like this. God's been doing something in our life and our family and me personally, and I feel like it's best expressed by doing something for someone else. So is there any families or any people in the church or community that we could come alongside of this Christmas and help? And as soon as I read that, what I thought to myself was, this is what new birth looks like. This is what we're talking about. When God comes in and does something within us, it's fully expressed, not just with us. You see, it's in us and it's through us. How can I help someone else? So the better question is, what if we had this posture towards God? God, you do whatever you want to do in my life because I know that the new birth you do within me actually potentially could be a new birth for someone else. In my proximity, in my community, around me somewhere. That's why I'm so excited about what Faye announced earlier for our Advent offering this year. I mean, for me, this is so exciting that we get a chance to be a generous church to sacrificially give because we know what God's done within our life to be able to build these two homes here in Lexington. And it's not just about money. We get to go and swing hammers and build these homes in our community for two of our precious circles families here in this church. That is amazing. That is what this is all about. And the fact that we get a chance to do this is is so exciting to me. 
How can we allow the new birth within us to actually be a new birth for someone else? See, there's three things that keep people in poverty. One is transportation. Two, childcare. And three, housing. We believe God has placed on our heart as a church to be a part of alleviating, alleviating that for some folks within our community. What a cool thing. This, what the work of God looks like in us and then through us. So December 22nd, we're going to take up this offering. We believe this is going to be an expression from our church to be a part of this new kingdom that God is ushering in through this person of Jesus. So what happens if we actually believe this? God, I believe, I don't understand, but I believe that this is not just a historical fact. This is a current reality for me, that you can birth something new within me today. May it be to me as you have said. You see, at Christmas, we don't just celebrate Christmas uh, because of that one thing. We celebrate Christmas because we know Easter is coming. Here's the truth. Jesus was born as a baby, but didn't stay a baby. He became a man. He walked this earth. He taught. He preached. He healed. He was falsely accused. He was arrested. He was beaten, and he was crucified. The Bible tells us then he was taken. He was laid inside of a tomb. And if that's where the story ended, then none of this makes any sense and none of it matters. If Jesus is still in the tomb, then the, the nativity, the, this birth, means nothing. This message from this angel to Mary, it means nothing. None of this story makes any sense and it has no significance to us today. But we believe that Jesus was not just beaten, tortured, crucified, and laid in the tomb. We believe he's alive today, amen? We believe the Spirit of God actually lives and dwells inside of us. That's why this is a current reality, not just historical fact. And when God lives and dwells inside of us, there is no, there's no end to what he can do. The new birth he wants to bring to our life. And not just for us, but for those around us. And so this morning, I, I want to pray for any person in this room today who feels like I'm ready for something new. I'm ready, God, for you to bring a new birth within my life. I'm ready, I'm ready to prepare even now for what's to come. I know it's what you want for me, God, and not just for me, but for those around me. So I'd invite you this morning, would you just bow your head as we pray together? And with our heads bowed, if there's, if there's anyone just boldly here this morning that feels like they're ready for new birth, they're ready for God to do something new, would you just signify by putting your hand in the air? Just put it up, just boldly. I'm the first one in line. God, I want something new, something fresh. Would you birth something new within me this Christmas season? Father, I pray for every hand that was raised this morning. God, I pray this expression of their desire for you to work within their life would be realized by your actual work within their life. I pray, Father, that you would help them do the hard work of the preparation for this new birth, God. I pray that forgiveness would abound. I pray that, that, uh, that new, new life and new ways of walking, that sin would be broken, addictions would be broken, and instead there'd be new hope for so many in this room. And I pray, God, that when we experience this new birth, that it would spill out of us into the world around us to offer new birth to those around us. So Jesus, we're thankful for you, not just because you were born into a cradle someplace long ago because you're still alive today. And you're still doing amazing things in the lives of those who love you. 
It's in your name that we pray.